Rudy Gaskins, Man of the Hour, it's amazing to have you on The Sound Architect. Thanks very much for speaking to us today. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. Absolute pleasure to meet you. How's it going? Oh, it's going just fine. Just came out of a, an interesting meeting uh, with our sales team for the Voice Arts Awards. Oh, fantastic. Uh, it's, like, it's like total overload, though. There's so much to do. And so <laughs> I bet. Um, but it's nice to be working with people who are who are thinking hard about these things and who are really excited about it. I mean, this really is sort of the, what we are creating here is the Oscars of voice. Yeah. And, uh, and we're doing all of the sort of behind the scenes, uh, mechanics and, and, uh, and acrobatics, gymnastics <laughs> that, will, that will bring that to fruition. And it's, and you know, it, it's something, I mean, you have, uh, you have award shows like the Oscars and the golden globes and the Emmys as templates and uh, there's no reason not to to use those uh, those formats to build upon. But this is a different marketplace, uh, a different audience. And finally, it brings in the fuller collaboration of the voice actors and the uh, and the casting folks who uh, both have just been under the radar and left out in spite of the fact that, you know, where would we be without them? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so it's uh, it's it's exciting. You always seem to be on exciting adventures, you two. You're always with that voiceover and push creative, everything that's going on. There's always something coming. So you yeah. guys must be crazy busy. <laughs> yeah, we're busy all the time. And people are always asking me you know, when I leave my home in the morning on a Saturday, they're like, where are you going? <laughs> oh, I'm heading to the office. You, do you people ever stop working? And uh, I guess the answer is, you know, sometimes, kind of. But... Uh, yeah, we're, we're after it. Like the old phrase, if you if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life, right? Yeah, <laughs> there's 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 some truth to that, I guess. Absolutely. For the benefit of our listeners, just tell us a bit about yourself and what it is you currently do. About me, well, I'm I'm an Emmy award winning producer director, and uh, I was fortunate enough to capture that statue while working on the Olympic Games in uh, Sydney, Australia. So that was the 2000 Games. And uh, what I did for uh, the Olympics was to create the backstories for many of the athletes. No one would remember this now, but the theme at that time was follow the dream. And with all of these stories with the athletes, of course, what's essential is not just the sport, but what's at stake for each athlete and uh, what's gone on in their lives and what are the what does the competition landscape look like. And, uh, and once you know what's at stake for folks, for example, if an athlete has had sustained serious uh, injury at some point in their lives and they've had to overcome that, and then to see someone overcome that over a period of years and get back to shape and actually win gold is very exciting. And that's what people love about the Olympics, aside from just the, uh, the raw athleticism, is seeing what people overcome. And those athletes are just extraordinary people, really. Beyond their athleticism, they just have a mental uh, capacity to achieve and to reach that uh, is uh, inspiring, awe-inspiring. And working on that was certainly inspiring for me. And my background has always been in, uh, in filmmaking, which quickly transitioned to uh, creating films for marketing purposes. So promos and, uh, and what we call interstitials, which is sort of long-form promotional pieces right. that make it two to five minutes long or so um, on the promotional side. So my background is first and foremost as a filmmaker who then transitioned into branding and marketing. Cool. That seems like a bit of a kind of closely connected area there with working on promos and then actually working into branding and marketing. Yes. And promos is all, is all about marketing and the, the filmmaking is really all about, you know, people. It's just, you know, it's, it's artistry. It's all about creating things that people want to, to see or will gravitate toward and getting a message out there. So there's a lot of synergy uh, when it comes to marketing and filmmaking uh, that I've been able to take advantage of. Fantastic. So tell us a bit more about Push Creative and what that's all about. Well, Push Creative is, the, uh, is my company. Uh, it's a branding and marketing company, and it's essentially it's, it's, it's who I am. It's the business face for what I do. Uh, but when you come to Push Creative, you essentially get me and, uh, and my partners, and my, my primary partner being my wife and the love of my life, Joan Baker. Uh, and, uh, and we bring together any number of 
professionals depending on the needs of our clients. So sometimes it may be 3D animation or it may be website development, back-end development or front-end design uh, or shooting a, a video project, short form or long form, and uh, print design. Those are basically the categories that we operate in, though in the past three years, we've done uh, a bit of work developing applications, so mobile apps. Oh, cool. For the most part these days, everything is integrated. You know, when we first started the company back in 2000, most of our projects were video-based. So we pull together a team and go out and shoot whatever concept we came up with uh, to suit the marketing objectives of our client. And, uh, and then the client would get that machine and say, this is great. Can you do a web version? And so we had to scratch our heads and say, okay, well, what are the, uh, you know, what are the protocols for your website? And let's figure that out. And then they say, well, that's great. We've got the web version now. We need a print ad. And uh, so before we knew it, you know, we had to really become expert at uh, finding the right talent as quickly as possible until we had a pool of talent to draw from to manage integrated marketing projects, which basically means to combine various media to, uh, to promote one particular aspect of the client's work. So that would do a video piece, a mobile app, a website, and a print ad for, uh, for a billboard someplace or on the side of a phone kiosk or a bus kiosk on the street or on the side of the bus. Covering everything, basically. Yeah, sometimes the projects require all of that. And uh, though more and more, it seems to be primarily on the web. Yeah, I mean, you must have to keep up with technology quite a lot and kind of keep developing new ways to kind of put forward branding and marketing. Yes. And, it's, and it all lands on the web anyway. You know, everything we do on the video side, more people see it on the web than they see it on television. Oh, definitely. It's modern life, isn't it? Everything's all related to the one big network of the Internet. And of course, we do a lot in, in, in the space of voiceover because my, my partner, Joan Baker, who I mentioned, is a voice actress. And that's how we met, actually, when I was at uh, ABC News here doing promos for 2020 and, uh, and Peter, the late Peter Jennings. Joan was brought in to do a series of uh, promos for a campaign we were doing on women's health issues. It's interesting because ABC News hadn't hired a woman to do promos for seven years at that point. Wow. And they weren't even thinking about it. It was just totally male-dominated kind of uh, industry in a lot of ways, but certainly when it came to broadcast news. Uh, until Katie Kirk and Diane Sawyer, you hadn't seen any females in America doing the 6 o'clock news hour just didn't happen. And so uh, because the topic was women's health, I thought being uh, innocent at the time, hey, boss, why don't we hire a female to do this since it is about women's health? He said, okay, sure. And, and, this, and I remember his secretary hollered out from the other room, Joan Baker's demo reel has been sitting on your desk for a week. Why don't you listen to her? And so we popped in her demo reel and said, okay, she seems like that'll work. And, uh, 30 minutes later, she was in our studio recording, and that's how we met. We actually met, and we became an item six months later. And, uh, and it was through knowing Joan and watching her plight, not just as a voice actor, but as a female voice actor, mm. and being on the other side, hiring voice actors almost daily, uh, I really developed an affinity for, uh, for that plight and how to start to get producers and creative directors to think about what's going on because everything had been happening almost by rote. It was just uh, uh, from one generation of producers to the next doing things the same way and not really thinking about the fact that, hey, wait a minute, this isn't fair. And no one's thinking about the inherent unfairness of it. And no one's uh, purposely trying to be unfair or discriminatory. Just don't think about it. Yeah, they're just not considering the fact that they're doing it. (laughs) That's all that was happening. I mean, I've met a few people who have strong feelings about whether they want to use a a male voice usually is the case. And they'll say, you know, oh, no, we've we've got to go with a man. That's the only thing that's going to cut through. That's that's what does it. And they believe that, you know, that you could get into a long philosophical debate about where that comes from. And, uh, you know, terms like the voice of God, for example, do we do we believe God is is a is a is a male 
You know, is that generally what's in people's hearts? And is that why we call it the voice of God? And is that why we kind of exclude women from that category? There has been some research, some testing to see what people prefer. And in most cases, that testing has shown that even women prefer the male voice to the female voice. Okay. That's when you compare them side by side. And that's not a good way to compare that, to do that kind of test. Because people are going to go for the voice that shakes the room. Yeah, exactly. But if you kind of reverse engineer all of that and ask someone, when was the last time you rejected buying a product because of whether the voice on it was male or female? No one could give you an answer to that. So, you know, what's really important is the interpretation. Is the actor bringing the goods? Are they bringing something that's unique and original and, uh, and relevant and authentic to the messaging so that people so that you know people's attention is, is grabbed and they and they buy into hearing what you have to say and make a decision about whether that's for them or not we covered this in uh, in our interview with joan actually as well she brought the same thing up and we, we mentioned the kind of trailer voice cliche as well how that's just always been male and it's always yeah. taken a while for women to kind of break through into certain niches right and, and it, will, it will probably take a while longer. I mean, one thing about being in the movie theater is you really expect big. Yeah. That's part of the deal. And, you know, since we were children, we walk into the movie theater, we sit down. And, uh, and one of the, the primary experiences is not so much the picture on the screen, but the sound. Yeah. You know, it's big and, and it rumbles the space and you feel like you're in a, in a whole different environment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that big voice, that big booming voice became yeah. part of that experience. And uh, and I guess we still sort of expect that. I think it's just been that long, isn't it, that we hear the whole inner world kind of thing going on. And just like, you know, we just got it so in our brains that I think we've yes. been taught in a way, haven't we? <laughs> just That's what we should expect. I don't hear that. I'm, I'm not sure I'm in the movie theater. Just where, where am I here? <laughs> yeah. No one said in a world yet. I think slowly but surely we will uh, we will impact the uh, the sensibility of producers and creative directors yeah. because the, the audience, aside from that experience that we were describing in the cinema, uh, but that's you know that's a small piece of the business. But when it comes to promos and, and commercials and uh, and animated characters, uh, that question is not being asked mm. where's the where's the booming voice the only question being asked in those scenarios is you know am i am i interested am i having fun is it yeah. reaching me you know is it touching me on a level that uh you know it, that inspires me and uh, of course there's a certain appropriateness certain products just make sense for a male or a female otherwise it calls attention to itself in a way that could interfere with the brand message but you've also done quite a lot of events to do with VO as well, haven't you? I mean, tell us a bit about that VO that we heard a lot about. Yeah, we have, uh, I think, probably 65% of Push Creative is now relegated to, I shouldn't say relegated to, but is about <laughs> voiceover. Yeah. And we started this event called That's VoiceOver about five years ago. And the whole idea was to, one, to highlight voice actors, to give them a space where they could really... Uh, be acknowledged and where they could learn and more importantly where they could meet the right people because the voiceover actors have always been uh segmented from the people who hire them and who are the the advertisers and the creative directors they're the ones who actually make the selection yeah final selection of the audition and uh and the agents and casting directors who facilitate all of that but are again sort of separated and all of these people are segregated until they need each other. Okay. So the, uh, so what happens is the voice actors, they need to reach talent agents, obviously. And, uh, the talent agents, they want to reach the buyers. Yeah. Those are their clients. So you have talent agents and casting directors waiting to hear from buyers and you have the talent hoping to hear from their agent, an agent, they're hoping to connect with an agent, you know, for a voice actor. That's essential to have that's some a big step, isn't it? Connecting with your agent. 
Exactly. You've got you've got a partner, and you've got somebody who's operating on your behalf. And if they're uh, if they're reputable, seasoned agent, they also have uh, they're getting calls already. So there's al- there's already a chance for you to get some work from just through the calls the agent is receiving, and then certainly through the agent's efforts to build their client base. And the agent gets to know your voice and your capability, so that they can assign you to the projects that make a lot of that make the most sense. Yeah, and I guess a lot of times, suppose because they've got quite a few voice artists on their books, when someone calls and they go, "Well, they can't do it," or they're busy, but well, I have got someone else who's perfect for it for you, then that yes. must be a way how a lot of new voice artists get through. Absolutely. Sometimes the agent, uh, in an ideal situation, the agent knows right away that they have a talent who's perfect for something mm. and can reach out to that client and just close the deal. No audition, just, hey, here's the, here's the voice you're looking for. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, and that's, I love it that way. From a, from a buyer standpoint, when I'm looking for a voice, I love having my problems solved quickly. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't have to go through a long, drawn-out audition process, I won't. So from your side of everything, what would you look for? in a voice obviously it depends per per brand because obviously you have to source but yeah. what would you base your search on for example well it all it always starts from from the brand from the product and uh you do a certain amount of research and brainstorming with your marketing team and the uh and the advertiser the manufacturer of the product about uh the audience they believe it appeals to and uh, research can give you a lot of information in terms of why it appeals to that audience, why they need it, where they may need assistance in understanding how it solves their problem. And uh, if the audience is a female audience or, uh, or it's a younger audience versus an older audience, this is all information. And by the time we, we get to the point where we're ready to start writing a script, we've already figured out a series of phrases, for example, that match yeah. this product. We've even thought about what would the ideal consumer actually say about this product if they had it and they used it and it's working for them. So we've already thought about what is that experience at the, at the end of the, of the rainbow, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, so you know what you're, what you're after, you know, sort of like if you're traveling on the road, you need to know your destination before you get on the road, right? Exactly. Yeah. So sort of figure out what is the end uh, game that we want a client who says, boy, I'm so happy I have this product in my hand because it saved my life, okay? <laughs> yeah. It saved me money, or it kept my child healthy, or it got my grass mowed properly. <laughs> you know, it kept the deer from eating the flowers in my backyard. So you, you figure out all of these things, and sometimes we humanize the product. So say it's, uh, say it's a car. We figure out whether this car is male or female. We figure out, you know, uh, what kind of clothing does this car wear what kind of restaurant does this car eat at (laughs) really so we figure out we humanize it to a great degree and by the time you do that kind of thing in your mind in the figment is in the figment of your imagination arises a voice ah that's a really interesting method though humanizing inanimate objects to try and get a feel for what it would do yeah finds how it's to be represented Absolutely. In the end, you have to connect with a human being. So as you can see, what, by, by going through this process, you start figuring out, is this a male voice or a female voice? And what age is this voice? And uh, how does this, the person behind this voice behave? But again, this is all just in your head. It's all yeah. your imagination. And you do leave some room for things to evolve. Because now you've got all this language and you've got a sense of the voice and you start writing your script. Right. So writing the script is, is all of this good, juicy stuff is underneath that. So it always surprises me sometimes when I work with a, uh, an actor, especially if it's uh, someone I'm working with um, from a training standpoint. Right. There's a lot to teach them about respecting the script and where it comes from. And however simple it may appear, <laughs> yeah. going into having it be what it is. Uh, so uh, a high a, a high regard and respect for that process is uh, very valuable to the actor because they will honor the words at a whole different level. Yeah, definitely. They need to understand the amount of time and effort and soul that has gone into creating this thing that they're now reading from. 
Yeah, even if it seems very simple. Uh, it's generally part of a much larger campaign. You know, you may have something as simple as brought to you by Olay. That may be the only thing you're saying. But then there's a series of Olay commercials and billboards and uh, and web webisodes and in-theater trailer type commercials that go with that. And what you do needs to fit into the family of everything that's going on with that campaign. So we then start listening to auditions and we have this idea in our mind of what the voice should sound like. And it's much like going into a clothing store to choose a new suit for a specific occasion. You kind of know what you, you need, but you don't know until you start moving through all the different jackets and things, which one really says, that's it. That's what I had in mind. You didn't have that exactly in mind, uh, but it comes to you in that process. What I find fascinating about that piece of it is for the actor especially, is that it can help you understand that there's no real rejection in this process. Right. As you're choosing a suit, you're not spending time rejecting things. You're just waiting to find that one that hits the spot because you know the event you're going to and you know what looks good on you. You know your body type. And uh, eventually you see that one that does it for you. But you're never going through just rejecting things and spending energy on that. Yeah. So it's not a rejection process. It's a selection process. Definitely. And I think that's one of the first things that VOs learn, isn't it? That when, when they hear a no, it's not a no, you're terrible or we're rejecting you. It's a you weren't the perfect fit for this one right now. We just found what we were looking for. Right. And uh, the no arises out of the fact that you want to know whether you got it or not. Yeah. It's not whether you were good or not. It's just the agent letting you know whether you got the job or not. But the person making the selection, they weren't saying no. They were just looking for the yes. Definitely a better spin on how to look at it and definitely how it is as well. So Yeah. I mean, that's I would have gotten fired many times if I came back to my uh, uh, client and said, let me show you all the people I rejected. Why are we looking at all the no's? All we want is one thing from you, the voice. So, uh, so it's in my relationship to, uh, to acting because I actually trained as an actor in, in film and television school. I, I went to NYU and acting when you study film at NYU is part of what you have to learn. Nice. So you develop an affinity for the actor's plight and, uh, and what it takes there. And it certainly helps you with directing talent. And even once I started directing actors for voice acting, I realized that there was something going on in the translation uh, between what I say to the actor and what's going on with the actor in the booth that I wasn't necessarily privy to. What I would do was once we were done with the job and the actor had time to hang out, I'd say, okay, look, here's another script. I'm going to go in the booth and you put me through the paces. Mm. I would do that with, I don't know, a handful of actors. Over the time, this is when I was at ABC News, so we really only worked with about six people there. Right. Okay. So I had all of them put me through the pace, and they all had a different take on how to do that, and uh, and how to show me what it was that they were working on and what they needed from me. And they were all very giving, but that really helped me a great deal in terms of how to direct talent. Yeah. So part of my reason was doing it was like most producers. Hey, maybe I can do voiceover. <laughs> Maybe I could be one of those guys who walks in and 15 minutes later walks out with 500 bucks. (laughs) So, uh, but more than that, because my focus really was behind the scenes, it taught me how to work with them. And it it gave me a a newfound respect for how to work with them and, uh, and get more out of my, uh, out of those reads, out of those performances. Well, yeah, that helps you. You know, once you understand what they're going through, you know what they need and what you can give them to give the best performance for both of you. Yes. And when I started running departments, because I I did run the creative services departments for uh, Court TV and I was executive producer for Food Network. So those people all worked under me, the producers who would write the scripts and, and, and work with the voice actors. So I would bring in top voice coaches and let them do sessions with my producers. Nice. So that my producers could develop the same kind of respect and understanding about directing those folks because I've heard some crazy things happening in the voiceover direction 
one of my favorites was one of my producers saying to an actor after they delivered a performance, that was weird. Do it again. <laughs> that helps. That was good. Yeah, that's going to be, uh, you, you just made that person feel bad. And uh, and you didn't give them anything to do. Yeah, you just said, do Different. it again, but don't be weird. And it's not because the, the producer wasn't well-meaning. You, know, you just it's, it's a skill. Yeah, you yeah, it's definitely. Directing is a skill, and a lot of the folks who wind up sitting in that chair uh, directing the voiceover actors are a little bit nervous about it. They don't really know how to impart what's going on with the script, and they're hoping the voice actor will figure it out, <laughs> which is more and more the case these days with everyone having home studios and the scripts being sent with only a little description at the top, and, uh, and the voice actor really does have to figure out a little bit, how do I self-direct? Yeah, I mean, you must notice the difference these days when something's been self-directed from home with like a brief synopsis or a brief passage and something where it's actually been directed by someone in the booth with them. Yeah, what I notice is happening, some people are good at it. They've been doing it long enough and, uh, and they're, they have that, that streak of an actor's background, so they open themselves up to different things. So they read each script and, and they bring something new to it. They bring something that's uniquely different, just as we do in, in life when we're with different communities of friends yeah. or in different circumstances and we're dealing with different topics. Something new comes from us. It's all coming from who you are, but you, you operate in the context of who you're talking to and the environment that you're in. What I see happening with self-directed voice actors is that they find themselves in a rut. They, they get a routine going. Because, uh, you know, long ago, not too long ago, you'd be going to the studio, yeah, working with a different director in a different environment. So there was a lot of, uh, you know, sort of context and, and input, outside input that would shift and change whatever it is you were going to do. Yeah. And obviously there's a lot of excitement in there as well. So there's the adrenaline coming as well because you're going yes. in where the producer's there and you're all psyched up and you're going to do the lines in front of everyone. Yeah. And different things happen. One day you walk in and everybody's friendly and it's a great environment. Another day you walk in and there may be a lot of tension and, and there may be a rush project. Mm. And, uh, and so there's all these different things you have to negotiate. And that changes what you do in a good way. Bring something to it. Yeah. But when the script comes out of your, your printer and it's the same and your microphone is always in the same spot and you're in the same room and you read the description and you just wind up doing everything the same way. So what I'm seeing now is uh, in auditions is that actors think they're bringing something new to the script but they're in a bubble and until you start to work with them you don't start seeing those colors and things coming through so i have to ask about the voice arts awards it sounds incredible you have to tell me more about it so the voice arts awards i mean i guess it was a natural extension of that's voiceover um, because we're already bringing producers and creative directors and voice actors and agents together and uh but the voice arts awards does something really incredible i mean on one level we all are devoting a lot to what we do in our lives and our careers and acknowledgement is special and it you know it emboldens you it makes you it makes you feel good and it inspires you to do more and you know a big chunk of your life goes to something it's nice to be acknowledged for it and it's also nice to be in a position where you can acknowledge others. And, and that feels good. But what the big surprise for me was how the award, because we have many categories that include not just voice actors, but the casting directors and agents and audio engineers and audio designers uh, and, the, and the producers and copywriters. So it's created a space where all of that collaborative spirit is being brought together and where the voice actors are no longer marginalized because the copywriters and the creative directors are after the same award. So, so they're starting to acknowledge each other and see that they're in the same, you know, collaborative space. And that's probably the thing that's the most exciting to me about it. Uh, and in producing the voice arts awards, we said, you know, let's give people something really special. Let's not treat this as, uh, as small time. So, you know, we really have, you know, in the back of our minds as part of our brand mission, mission is to create the Oscars of voice. And, and what that means is really going after your best self at all times, really reaching for uh, excellence. 
So the pursuit of excellence is a big part of whether it's e-learning or doing phone messaging systems or doing uh, movie trailers or animation. You know, it's all Shakespeare. Yeah. And, and it's all something that you're putting your heart and soul into and, and you're always honing your craft and looking for ways to bring the magic and being acknowledged for that by people who get it, who love it, who are at the highest level of the game in terms of, uh, in terms of their work. So we have you know, creative directors from the different networks and branding agencies and casting agencies and agents, these folks who are reviewing this material. So even if you don't win, uh, your work is being reviewed by the people who you want to see it. Wow. You know, people you wouldn't otherwise be able to get to. And here, sitting comfortably at home, making time to sit down and and listen and watch uh, submissions. So you could get a call from someone uh, who just felt like, boy, this guy would be perfect for this thing I'm doing. Wow. Uh, and so that's kind of magical, a nice piece that, that comes into play just as part of the process. So the Voice Arts Awards will happen annually. It will include all of the categories I, I mentioned, so casting directors, agents, uh, voice actors, audio engineers, audio designers, copywriters, the narrators, uh, all aspects of marketing and creative. When I say creative, I'm thinking about video games and programming where you have narrators uh, doing shows for National Geographic and so on. And, um, and it's going to be held this year in New York uh, at the Museum of the Moving Image, which is dedicated oh, yeah. uh, all things film and television. So it's a great space to do this event at. And uh, the Museum of the Moving Image is also uh, a venue where many of the top directors and actors uh, come to do all sorts of sort of workshops and, uh, and public conversations where you can buy your ticket and go in and just listen to what Julia Roberts has to say about uh, winning an Oscar or, new, or her latest film. And so you watch films there and you talk to the producers and directors and actors who are behind those films and then they just have extraordinary exhibits from, you know, way back when. They even have an ADR exhibit where you can go in and actually lay down ADR tracks. Kevin Spacey will be on the screen doing a line from the usual suspects. And then the beats go off and you can now fill his mouth with your words, uh, with your voice, and redo those lines so you can see how that process works. So the Oscars of Voice, the Voice Arts Awards, is... Uh, a very special project. We're very deep into it. Just a few days ago, we got the word from James Earl Jones that he will accept what we call the Voice Arts Icon Award. That's amazing. So yes, Darth Vader will be in the house. Yeah, such a legend as well, especially yeah. in over. And uh, he, you know, he looked at our mission and what we're trying to do with it. And his words were, "I would be honored to accept this award." Oh, so that, yeah, I mean, I, I had I was on the street looking at this on my mobile <laughs> and I had to stop and look around to see if there was a, a camera somewhere. <laughs> I thought I was being punked or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he got it. I mean, that's what we were going after. You know, we're aiming high and that's what happens when you, when you aim high and you put your heart and soul into trying to really make something special. If you stick with that, these kinds of things start to come, come into the space. I think uh, it's amazing. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be incredible. I think Are you going to be here? Oh, I wish I could be. I wish I could be. Oh, that would be so great. It would be awesome to be over there. Yeah, but um, no. But one, uh, we have submitted one of our one of our podcasts uh, for one of the categories, so it is in there. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Oh, and I didn't even mention podcasts when I was naming the categories. That's right. When you start to create categories for recognizing, you know, various pursuits within the industry. Yeah. It, uh, right away, you know, you start to see. Well, wait a minute. Some things do a better job at getting messages out there than other things, and we want to, we want to be after that. Definitely, I think it's incredible how many great categories you've got. I think it's so good that you have got all of the best parts of everything that comes together in voiceover in one place. It's not very often that you'll see that, you know. 
especially yes. the the audio engineers and the, the casting directors and the producers and everything else. I think it's fantastic. And the audio engineers and the audio design, audio design is sound design is so critical to uh, you know in a lot of ways it's it's marginalized just the way the voices are. Yeah, we kind of like assume well there's a voice on it, of course, of course I've got to be able to hear it. But you know, like we were talking about earlier, one of the special things about sitting down in a movie theater is the sound. And when you're behind the scenes and you see how much goes into making that sound what it is, uh, then you really appreciate all the detail that goes into, you know, foleys and sound effects and enhancing the the audio, uh, the dialogue and the and the reads. And I sometimes when I'm working with emerging actors and they're telling me, oh, oh I, I listen to these spots and I'm duplicating them on from listening to them on television. And I point out to them, okay, that's great. That's, you may as well be practicing at something. Yeah. But you have to understand that what you're listening to is produced. Yeah. And an audio designer has been to work on that stuff. And you're not going to match exactly what you hear on television. You may get close to it, but, uh, you know, but what you're hearing is very refined audio production, at least in the best case scenario. And that makes a difference. So it's really great to to have the audio designers and the audio engineers recognized here, and uh, and they had all those other people really acknowledge them and appreciate how how many times they save everyone's butts uh, by bringing their magic to the table. So many people have to come together, and there's still so many people who don't understand how many people come together to make it possible. Yes. So at the Voice Arts Awards, we're going to help open up a door and shine a light on those many skill sets that go into the mix instead of uh, just having it be someone say, and I want to thank the team because <laughs> they really make it happen. You know, just want to say thank you to all the people behind the scenes who really make it happen. And no one ever goes, oh, who are those people? The Voice Arts Award, by the way, I designed it in collaboration with a company called R.S. Owens. Who okay. also, and that company also designed the Oscar and the Emmy and the MTV Moon Man and, and uh, many other extraordinary uh, award statuettes. So... Uh, we're, we're in good company there. Yeah, and definitely. It, that, again, that just all goes to our, our pursuit of excellence and, and ensuring that what we're creating here is something that has staying power, is something that anyone involved in can be proud to be involved in. And, uh, and when they hold up that statue or place it on their mantle, you know, it's going to mean something. I think it's such a great step. And I think your pursuit of excellence is amazing as well. Everything you've brought to the VO community and everything you've done, you've definitely aimed high and you're definitely keeping going as well, aren't you? I mean, what's next? What's coming after the Voice Arts Awards? What are you going to do after the Oscars, you know? Yeah, well, I guess one natural extension will be television. We'll certainly do live stream and we'll do it online. But we're talking to some very interesting partners right now, Viacom among them. And, uh, and these people are in a position to, uh, you know, sort of press a button and say, okay, this is now televised. The first Oscars wasn't televised. And I think the second one was on some sort of dinky local station uh, in, in California. And uh, after that, everyone caught on and said, whoa, wait a minute. And uh, it's been televised ever since. So I think, you know, some sort of televised version is in the future for certain, in the very near future. Uh, and with companies like Hulu and Netflix and others coming uh, into the fold to create online uh, an online venue that may turn out to be better for it than, than not. We'll see how things develop in terms of uh, what comes to television and what doesn't, what lasts on television and what people want to learn about. We're also developing a television show. Oh, really? This is apart from the Voice Arts Awards themselves, but as part of that voiceover, we've always had an audition. We right. call it Audition Spotlight. There actually, it's actually more than one audition, but the one we call the Audition Spotlight allows an actor to actually win a job voicing a spot for a television network. Wow, that's fantastic. And, uh, and it's very much like an American Idol in the way that it comes off because the, the talent step up on stage, they read the spot, there's judges, 
who interact with them and they get to read again. And then it's, it's really exciting. And the audience is on the edge of their seats and, you know, you can tell that they're, they have a feel for who should win and hopefully the judges nail it and the right person wins. Uh, but we've done that four times now. And uh, out of that process, we developed a reality concept for a voiceover show. And uh, we're putting the final touches on that and, and talking to some television networks. So, you know, out of, you know, you start one thing and it begins to evolve and you start to see how it can springboard into other opportunities. The voice arts is a televised venue. The audition spotlight is a is a reality show. Who knows what else will will come through this process? One of the things we do at that's voiceover, the which is a full day expo covering all aspects of voiceover, from live announcing to promos to commercials to microphone technique, and of course there are exhibitors there who uh, share their wares where you have a chance to uh, to play with equipment and test things. Uh, we've done something called speed dating with agents and talent. That's the one thing talent need. So they're able to uh, to do two things. One, share their demo reel and, uh, and where they are in their career and what they're hoping to see next for themselves with someone who is a professional who can, who can set them straight, so to speak, on how closely their ideas about what they have in mind match the agent's sense of what the reality is. Yeah, that makes sense. It's not, it's this way or the highway kind of thing, but there's a chance for you to get a sense of where your dream fits into the, uh, the perspective of the vantage point of an agent or a casting director. And then you get to do that with five or six different people. So it's not just from one agent's point of view. You get eight minutes with Bob and then eight minutes with Sue and then on like that. And everybody walks away from that experience so opened up. You know, it's just like I'm always amazed by that. You know, you you plan these things in your head and it seems to make sense on paper and you put it together and then there's an event and then you're waiting to see what the response is. And I'm just blown away by how appreciative people are of having a chance to make the connections that they've been dreaming of making and then have those connections have an impact on them that they never expected. They must come away just overwhelmed. Yeah. They're overwhelmed. They're thrilled. They're excited. Yeah. Uh, they're inspired. And it's just amazing. You know, earlier when we were talking about the strategic marketing process and how you think about the end game. And so you come up and, and, and figuring out the end game, you come up with if everything I do works perfectly, what would the customer's reaction be? Okay, that's, cool. that, that's voiceover. It all happens just that way. The customer, the consumer's reaction is more than we could have imagined. See, and, now, so go and now we're just looking to match that and evolve that. Well, one way you need to evolve it is what you need to do is bring all this to the UK. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> we want to. And you're our connection. There you go, you see. <laughs> you're the UK connection. So, But absolutely, we want to bring it to the UK. And I mean, there's so much extraordinary talent in the UK. And, and it's English-speaking, so it makes it a little bit easier for us to make the connection. Though I know you guys don't think we speak English, but <laughs> we, we definitely... Your believe. version of English, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was, well, sometimes when I hear the difference, I really do feel badly that this is the English I speak. But, but yeah, but it is what it is. There's a comedian, I can't think of his name, but he does a great job at... Uh, uh, he's, he's from the UK. He talks about how we have destroyed the language. <laughs> he does a lot of bits about it and a lot of comparisons about uh, words like battery, for example. Yeah. And as we would, would say, battery, right? Closer to that. Battery, I like. It's better than battery, which I think has more to do with roughing people up. But I never knew the difference until this comedian hit the stage and started pointing these things out. And I said, oh, my God, we really have done, done quite a trick on the language. But it's amazing how well the folks from, from, from the UK can do accents. I'm, I'm always amazed when I see an actor show up on like a talk show, like on uh, Jimmy Fallon, speaking with, with a British accent. And I never knew. I've, you know, I've been watching the actor in his TV series for, for four months and never knew he was British. Idris Alba and uh, Colin Firth. And I didn't know these people were Brits. Wow. Until well after 
they were established in America. I seem to find that, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but a lot of Americans do seem to struggle doing the English accent. Yes. And I don't know why, but they seem to, they seem to just struggle on a certain bit. Like they'll be almost there. And then there's just something that's not quite right. You know who I think does a, a, a good accent, uh, English accent, is that uh, is Don Cheadle. You might feel differently about it because you really know what to listen for and you know all the little nuances. But he does, uh, I, I guess it's a very particular kind of uh, British accent, but he does it in, uh, in that series of films uh, where they all play bank robbers, they all play thieves, uh, Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's, oh, 12, Ocean's yeah. 13. Yeah. And he's British accent in all three of those films, which to me I, just amazes me how different it sounds from his normal. Uh, but maybe you would say, uh, it's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Have, have you ever tried to do an English accent? I, I do try now and then just because of just the fun of it. I'm yeah. nowhere near it. Do you want to give us a go? A British accent. Hello, governor. That was a nice try. <laughs> just to give your folks something to laugh at. That would be my... <laughs> Even Hello Governor as well. <laughs> I was just going to say, would you ever be tempted to enter the booth yourself? Nope. Uh, I've done some voiceover, as, as you have as, a, as, a, as an audio engineer and sound designer. You've had to, you know, lay down what we call here scratch tracks. Right. Okay. So I've had to do that. And, and on occasion, I've had to actually jump in and, and lay it down because I have a fairly decent voice and I have an ear for what's needed. And, uh, and so I've done some tracks professionally as an insider, not as a hired talent. Yeah. So it just happens sometimes. So, okay, well, we know. And they'll say, oh, get Rudy. He will do that. But, you know, you, you have to have a love for voice acting. And, uh, and you have to be prepared to really go at it all in. It's not a side thing. And, and the thing I love doing is producing. And, uh, and, and kind of creating visions for things to, to build. And that's where, that's where my love is. So there's no, oh, I can do voiceover on the side. So I don't, I don't even go in that direction. I leave that to the people who love doing it and who are great at it. And, uh, and I love how they do it and what they do. And I love watching them do it. <laughs> Same with actors. I love working with actors because of their skill set and the, uh, and the specificity of skill and craft that they bring to it. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm happy staying behind the scenes. Yeah. And I also love seeing them be acknowledged now. I yeah. love seeing what's happening in the industry now so that they're not uh, overlooked uh, because they work hard and they, and they strive. And it takes so much to, to reach a point where you're working regularly and it's really your livelihood. Uh, and, and, you know, it's nice to see them be acknowledged for that. Yeah, I think voiceover is becoming more and more recognized in recent years. I mean, I know I've loved it pretty much my whole life ever since I was a kid. But growing up and knowing about it from the off, I've noticed more and more people noticing it and kind of thinking about it a bit more yeah. and kind of going, oh, hang on, there's actually a guy doing that. And it's been great. It's been great to see voiceover get such recognition. And especially seeing you and Joan do so much for, for voiceover as well. It's amazing that it's just Thank come you. to this point. Onward and upward. Exactly. I mean, you guys are kicking ass. <laughs> yeah. I like to think we're doing a little ass kicking. Cool. My final question definitely has to be, what would be your number one piece of advice for an aspiring voice artist? My number one advice is going, it would have to be get training. And the, uh, that's kind of a, a tricky piece because you got to find someone to train you. Yeah. Uh, and, and deciphering who's good at doing that is one aspect of it. Uh, and then even if you find three people who are really good at doing it, zeroing in on the one who works for you and with whom you have an affinity and, and a match. And then there's a sense of challenge and there's a sense of I am growing. I can tell that from session to session, I'm getting better at it, developing more confidence, developing more understanding. These are things that the, the student should be looking for as opposed to signing on with someone who calls themselves a coach and just assuming that they know what they're doing. Yeah, just going for the first person out of the phone book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you really do have to do a bit of, uh, you know, sort of analysis and have some confidence in yourself to take part in the journey. 
There's no one person who's just going to listen to your voice and have you read some copy and then tell you whether you have a chance or not. So don't go looking for that kind of evaluation. Do I fit? Will I ever have make a living at this? You're going to have to dig in to some degree. You have to find a coach. You may go through two or three coaches before you hit upon someone who you feel you connect with. And then you have to work with them to dig in and uncover your skill set, your emerging skills at interpreting copy. Interpreting is, is the key word, interpreting and performing copy. I would add to that, as you're starting to work with scripts with a teacher, a coach of some sort, that it's not about reading well. Voiceover is not about reading. It's about generating a message as if it were your message coming from you because something inspired you to speak it. Yeah. So the only reason the words are on the page is because, well, the copywriter has to get them to you somehow. But they're not on the page because someone intends for you to be a good reader. It's sort of like with deep sea diving. You don't have to be a good good swimmer. You know, you're in a you're in a five hundred pound outfit. So what good is swimming gonna do you? Well, reading is not the thing with voiceover. It's all about making the words your own. So that's take something to get your head around that, unless you're an actor already, and so you're you're already being trained in that kind of conceptual thinking. Mm. But for the new actor breaking into voice acting. That's an important uh, distinction to bring with you and to start to work with and and bring into the realm of your practice. Definitely words to keep hold of, those are. Thanks very much for all the advice. It's been absolutely fantastic having you on The Sound Architect. It's my pleasure. We could talk to you all day about voiceover, but we won't. Rudy Gaskins, we can't wait to hear more about the Voice Arts Awards and everything else that you and Joan are doing in the voiceover world. We all love it. It's all incredible. Just keep being awesome. We will. And speaking of voice arts, what voicearts.org is the website. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me and, uh, and get my vantage point on these things. I appreciate it. At The Sound Architect, we appreciate everyone involved in the processes. The Sound Architect. I love it.